Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship, and we are wrapping up our series today entitled Life Plus Jesus Equals Better. Inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline where I'm going today. It's entitled Life Plus Jesus Equals Better because we're kind of summarizing the whole thing. This whole series has been based on Jesus' teachings and the Sermon on the Mount, and we've used a mathematical equation or uh, type of format to try to illustrate the fact that when we follow the teachings of Jesus in our lives, and we live the way Jesus wants us to live, then life will be better. So I've got a whiteboard behind me because when Jesus finished his teaching at the Sermon on the Mount, he gave four uh, illustrations of the fact that you can add other things into the equation and you don't get the same result. And you and I have to make a decision of whether we're really going to add Jesus in our life or whether we're going to add something else. And Jesus said, hey, this is up to you to decide. Because Jesus is never going to drag people kicking and screaming into heaven. He's not. This is a decision we have to make. And Jesus made that very clear. So the Sermon on the Mount was where he sat down. His disciples would have been there. Some of the religious leaders of his day would have been there. Crowds, throngs of people would have been there who'd come to see Jesus maybe do a miracle or something else. And he sat down and he told them, this is the kind of life I want you to live. And over the last few weeks, we've talked about the fact that he said, I want you to love your neighbor. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to forgive people, even if they don't deserve it. Somebody asks you to carry a pack one mile, carry it two. I want you to pray real prayers. Talk to your heavenly father about real things. And don't worry. And he went, if somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. And he went through all these things, and people were going, well, how am I going to do that? And Jesus said, through me. Because uh, life plus Jesus is better. Life plus some other things, you won't get the same result. I want to talk with you about that today because Jesus said we need to do our math carefully and uh, we need to make some decisions that are very important. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can be here today. I thank you for your word. It's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And today, Lord, I pray that you'll speak and that you'll move me out of the way. Lord, I'd love to, uh, for us all to learn a few things from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, principles that are life-changing. And so, God, um, please speak. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you need a pen, by the way, just raise your hand. One of the ushers would be glad to bring one to you. Uh, point one, I must decide whether or not I believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I mean, am I putting Jesus in here or am I putting somebody else in there? And Jesus said this. He said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. Because the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. And what Jesus was saying here is he was saying, hey, I'm the narrow gate. And, um, you know, people have asked me, well, how do you know Jesus is the narrow gate? Well, there's a note in your outline. This is from John 10, 9. I am the gate. Okay, um, I thought that was humorous. Nobody else did. But anyway, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. <laughs> People ask, well, how do you know Jesus is the gate? Because he said, well, I'm the gate. Elsewhere, are you sure that's what he said? Yeah, I'm sure. Because in John 14, 6, he said, I'm the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. So Jesus plus the narrow gate is not only better. We enter through the narrow gate. That's heaven. How do I get to heaven? Through Jesus. If I surrender my life to Jesus, I go to heaven. If I go the other way, plus the broad way, 
Well, Jesus said, that's a highway to hell. I talk to people about this from time to time. They come to me and they say, I want to know if I'm going to heaven or hell. I go, have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Well, what does that mean? And we'll look up this scripture and some other ones. It means to surrender your whole life to him. And there are sometimes when I explain to people, well, if you go the other way, the broad way, it's to hell. And they go, well, that's offensive. And I go, okay, well, then don't just listen to Jesus. Maybe you'd like to listen to a, a hit rock song that was written in 1979. Uh, lots of people sing it all the time. It's based on the same lyric. The lyrics are based on this same concept. It's ACDC wrote it. It's called Highway to Hell. Maybe you haven't listened to the lyrics lately. Living easy, loving free, season ticket on a one-way ride, asking nothing, leave me be, taking everything in my stride. Don't need reason, don't need rhyme, ain't nothing that I'd rather do. Going down, it's party time. My friends are going to be there too. I'm on the highway to hell, the highway to hell, the highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell. That's just verse one. It gets better. No stop signs, no speed limits. Nobody's going to slow me down. Like a wheel, I'm going to spin it. Nobody's going to mess me around. Hey, Satan, I'm paying my dues, playing in a rocking band. Hey, mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on the, way, I'm on the highway to hell, the highway to hell. I'm on the highway to hell, highway to hell. Don't stop me. I'm on the highway to hell. And everybody, and this came out when I was a senior in high school and college. This is when everybody is, uh, people at a party, they're lifting their solo cups up, and they're all singing along. Listen to it again. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for many who choose that way. Sing along. My friends are all going to be there too. So if you're offended, well, then be offended at ACDC. They're singing the same thing just from the other side. It's a broad way. We're all going to be there. Sing along. Drink up. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. For those of you worshiping with us via video, we had a child kind of echo that last statement. So anyway. Not sure how to recover from that, but we're going to move on. Here's a life application for you and me. Hey. If I am really going to live my life this way, if this is the equation to get to heaven, I need to surrender my life to Jesus because he's the narrow gate. The only, it's not a broad gate. There's not a million gates to go in. There's only one. Jesus said, I'm the only way. We come to him. And by the way, let me just say this too. People say, well, I don't think that's right. I mean, why would he make it so narrow? Look, he's making it narrow because he's the one who can give us a brand new life. I mean, the whole Sermon on the Mount, it's all this stuff again about not lusting after people, not just committing adultery, but not even committing adultery in your thoughts and your whole mind is surrendered to him. That it's not just that you're going to uh, do what's right. You're going to go and make things right. Well, as soon as you realize you've done anything wrong and that you're going to live life exactly the way God wants. And if you read through it and you go, I can never do this on my own. Jesus said, well, that's why you come to me. You can't do it on your own. I mean, from time to time, like I said, when I talk to people about this, they go, well, I don't want to come to Jesus. I, I'm convinced I'm a good person on my own. And I said, well, I understand that. And so, and what do you have to say to me if I'm a good person? I said, well, if you're truly a good person, I have nothing to say to you. Except this, you're wrong. Because we're all sinners here. I mean, here's the good news. The reason I need Jesus is because life without Jesus means I'm lost. I'm a sinner. 
And I need to be forgiven. And so do you. I have a wicked, stubborn heart that if left to its own devices will always choose the wrong way. And so do you. And I need a heart transplant. And Jesus says, if you come to me, it's not just that I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I will ask the Father. He will send you the Holy Spirit. He will be in you. He will guide you into all truth. He'll remake you. He'll give you the desire to do what's right and the power to get it done. And then we will live forever together in heaven and you'll have a brand new heart. I mean, that's the good news. That's why it's called good news. But if you go your own way, now that's popular. And you're driving and you're singing along. But that's not where I'm going. If you want heaven, you come to me. I'll give you a new life. You can't get there on your own. Now, Jesus said, now, the people who are singing along to the song, they're not going to like to hear all this. And so he said, you better count the cost. Jesus also said, hey, the gate is narrow and the road has difficulty on it. The road is difficult and few will ever find it. Another place, when a large crowd was coming in, he said, look, if you're going to write the equation this way, you've got to realize the people on this side, they're not going to like your answer or your solution. A large crowd was following Jesus. This is Luke from, from Luke 14. So he turned around and said to them, hey, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you don't carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who'd begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone laugh at you. So you can't be my disciple without giving up everything you own. So you come to me, you're coming to me because you need a savior. I mean, Jesus is a savior. I'm not coming to a savior unless I need to get saved. Rescuer, if that helps you. I don't need a rescuer unless I believe I'm drowning. And what Jesus asks us to do is to come to him. And maybe this week, maybe this month, maybe in the last six weeks, somebody has talked to you and you realize, I'm drowning. I thought I had this all wired and I'm not half what I thought I was. My sins are ever in front of me. I need someone to forgive me and change me. Well, then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. The bad news is we're filthy, rotten sinners. The good news is Jesus came to die on the cross and rescue filthy, rotten sinners. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen? Yeah. And that's why we need this in the equation. That's why we need him. He said, there isn't any other way. I'm the only one who can give you the heart transplant. And so I must decide if I believe Jesus is the only way. Or am I going to go the Broadway? Narrow way, Broadway. They don't lead to the same place. One gate. The paths go different directions. Second thing that Jesus said right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is, hey, you're going to have to make decide. I mean, you're going to have to decide. So he'd gone through all this laundry list of all the things that, hey, this is how God wants us to live. That's only possible through me. I have to decide also whom I will listen to. Because Jesus said, hey, I'm not the only person speaking. If you're going to find out about heaven, if you're going to find out about what's true, well, then if we're going to write out this equation again, then I have to say, all right, if I'm going to do this, then I'm going to life plus Jesus. He says, if you follow me, I'll change you, and you will bear good fruit in your life. 
But he told his disciples and the other people listening in, hey, there are going to be other people. These are false teachers. And when they come, they're going to tell you things I never told them to say. And that's not going to take you where you want to go at all. There will be bad fruit in their lives. Things that I never wanted them to do. Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. They're really vicious wolves. By the way, if you've ever heard the expression wolf in sheep's clothing, this is where it comes from. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or fruits from thistles? A good tree can't produce good fruit. bad tree can't produce bad fruit. A good tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, you can identify people by their actions. Jesus had given them instructions in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I'm not, you know, there's other people going to come along after this, and they're going to say, oh, yeah, well, Jesus said that, but let me tell you, there's an easier way. God doesn't really want you to give up everything. I mean, he said you had to pick up your cross and die to yourself and give up everything to follow him. There's an easier way. Here, let me show you. Paul warned Timothy of this, too, as they were planting churches in the first century of the church. He warned Timothy that many false teachers would come and tell people just what they want to hear. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. A time is coming, Timothy, when people no longer listen for sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the truth and chase after myths. Can you imagine living in a time like that? Where people would come along and say, yeah, well, it doesn't matter what the Bible says about this or that or the other thing. It doesn't matter if the Bible says a marriage is between a man and a woman. We don't care. There's another way. There's another way now. You didn't hear? You didn't get the bulletin? The Bible's been rewritten. Or if it's not rewritten, it's just worthless. Let's go our own way. Broadway, lots of people singing. Jesus says, well, if you're going to go my way, the way's narrow. I want to tell us there are teachers out here, and it, you can pick that, that is, you can pick a million issues. Hey, you got to look out for yourself. Yeah, I know the Bible says we need to forgive people and everything, but you got to, hey, oh, hey. And Jesus says we're not supposed to store up treasures in this world. No, no, no. It's about who, he who dies with the most choice wins. All kinds of things. And Jesus said, hey, well, how will you know a false teacher from what I'm teaching? And Jesus said, here's how you can know. We can identify such people by their actions. You could also write in there whether or not they have changed lives. I mean, these are actions. Jesus, by his actions, proved that what he said was true. Hey, if you follow my teachings, you'll see this will yield good fruit. You surrender your life to me, I'll change you from the inside out. The Holy Spirit will make you brand new. Paul wrote about this in Galatians 5 to the Christians in Galatia. He said, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, all the other sins like these, a bunch of other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I've said before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And think of all the voices in our culture today. Arguing for 
moral authority. Listen to us. Listen to us. Forget the Bible. Listen to us. And then you look at people and their lives are from one rehab center to the next. It could be a, a Hollywood movie star. could be a great athlete. could be a millionaire or a gazillionaire. They've got all this money, all this power, all this fame, all this beauty, and their lives are a shambles. And Jesus said, you'll know. Hey, there's going to be false teachers that come. They're going to tell you, you don't have to go the narrow way. You don't have to go Jesus' way. Go our way. Everybody's there. It's a big party. And Jesus is saying, if that's what you think I'm selling, that's not what I'm selling. It's not possible for you to live the Christian life on your own. You're going to need me. You can't do this. You can't forgive people the way I forgive unless I give you a heart transplant. You'll never have victory over that addiction just in your own strength. But you come to me, I'll give you the strength. I'll change you from the inside out. Come to me. Now, I know that sometimes this is shocking for people here because they say, well, Jesus never told people that, told anyone they were going to hell. It's like, you haven't read the Bible. Jesus said we had to make a decision. He said the way is narrow and few will find it. Yes, Jesus talked about this a lot. And he said, we need to decide. There's a life application for you and me when, uh, if you flip your outline over, if we live in a culture where there's lots of false teachers and other things, we're still going to keep teaching what Jesus said. We must keep proclaiming God's truth even if it's unpopular. Preach the word of God. Be prepared. This is 2 Timothy 4. These are the verses on either side of the two verses I read you a couple of minutes ago. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. You should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and, and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. If there was ever a time in the world's history that Christians needed to stand strong, it's right now, my friends. If there's ever a time when light needs to be shining brightly, it's in the middle of darkness. When people are driving in the fog, that's when we need the headlights shining down on the road to show us where to go. It's time that we understand this. Jesus spoke this way. Sermon on the Mount stuff. The very same people who say, all I know is Jesus said, do unto others as you have them do to you. That's exactly right. That's at the beginning of this chapter that we're quoting from, from Matthew 7, or it's in the middle of it. These are a few verses later. This is right after the golden rule. If all you know is that, keep reading. There's more. Jesus did say more than the golden rule. Same same Jesus, same chapter. Here's what else he said. He said, I must decide that all of us need to decide whether we want religious pretense or a personal relationship. You and I are going to have to decide on that. Because if we write this equation the way Jesus wants us to, then life plus a personal relationship with Jesus... That's what Jesus is talking about, the people who will be in heaven, his children, the people who know him. But there are people who have pretense. And they pretend to know Jesus. And he said, no, that's not what we're talking about at all. 
just give me lip service. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. This is Jesus talking. Jesus. He's saying, "Uh uh-uh. No pretense here. Lord, Lord. I mean, this is the same Jesus. We went over this a couple weeks ago when we pray. He's the one who told the story about the religious leader and the notorious sinner who went to the temple to pray. The notorious sinner was a tax collector. He beat his breast and said, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Wouldn't even go out in the center of the court. The temple courts just stayed in the shadows and prayed. Didn't even lift his eyes toward heaven. He just wanted forgiveness. And the religious leader said, Lord, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I'm not a sinner like that sinner over there. He went on to brag about all of his righteousness, and Jesus said, God didn't hear a word of that. This isn't about religious pretense. If somebody said, well, you know, I don't want to be involved in Christianity because of hypocrisy and other things, well, Jesus doesn't want hypocrisy either. He wants people who really mean Lord, I want a personal relationship with you. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. Lord, I I don't know how to run my life. You do. I surrender my life to you. I'll I'll talk to you every day because I need direction every day. I want a relationship with you because you are my king. And that's really the rub. If you're in the margin there, if you could just write the word king. You know, on this side, this one, I'm in control. So what's it going to be? Because if he's my Lord, he's my king. James, there's a note in there. James reminds us the talk is cheap. Oh, you say you have faith because you believe there's one God? Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. I've shared this before, and I'll say it again. Do you never fall victim to the uh, misunderstanding that the devil is an atheist. The devil believes in God. He hates him. Hitler believed in Churchill. They were on opposite sides of the war. You couldn't go up to Hitler. Do you believe in Churchill? No, I don't even believe Churchill exists. Of course he believed he existed. He did everything he could to destroy him. The devil believes in God, so don't fall victim to this. It's like, well, you know, I, I think it's okay. I mean, they say they believe in God. Isn't that enough? No, the devil believes in God and rejects him. This is about people who will say, I want a personal relationship. I want to go Jesus' way. There are two gates, two paths, two kinds of fruit, and two kinds of disciples. People who want a relationship and pretenders. And Jesus says, hey, just this Lord, Lord stuff. I mean, you do realize when Judas betrayed him in the garden, he came up and gave him a kiss a sign of love, while he was betraying him and called him master. So if you and I want to play games, Jesus says, don't do that. He's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. Here's how I want you to live. Along with the golden rule. Along with asking, seeking, and knocking. Don't give up. All things we've been talking about here. Jesus is saying we need to make a decision. 
I realize that messages like this can make us uncomfortable. But Jesus didn't leave us any room on this. It's okay if we're uncomfortable. This is a decision we have to make. So here's a life application for you and me. Jesus spells love, O-B-E-Y. You know, in the Father's Day sermons, how do kids spell love? T-I-M-E, Dad. You give them time, that's love. How does your wife spell love? Credit, card. Now, I don't know how that one works, but, uh, but the whole thing is, how does God spell love? How does Jesus spell love? Obey. Well, where do you get that? O-B-E-Y. Those who accept my commandments and obey them, they're the ones who love me. Jesus said this, John 14, 21. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I'll love them. I'll reveal myself to each one of them. You want to grow in your relationship with God? What he's saying is, look, you want to grow in your relationship with me? Surrender your life to me when I show you what to do. Trust me, obey me, and then I'll tell you more. Why am I going to give you level 15 instruction when you're not even at level one obedience? If you obey level one, I'll give you level two. You obey that, we'll move on. I'll reveal myself to you. Your children, my children, and I love you. Let's get on with it. Jesus is sitting on the side of the mountain there, the side of the hill, talking to people. So he said, now you decide. He laid it all out. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're the ones who see God. Blessed are the meek. They're the ones who are going to inherit the kingdom, not the braggarts, not the proud people, the humble people. Went through all this stuff. At the end of it, he goes, time for you to decide. Two gates, two paths, two kinds of fruit. Good teachers, false teachers. Pretenders, real disciples, one more. You and I must decide whether or not Jesus' teaching will be foundational in my life. I mean, he's just bringing it all to, putting the ribbon on the box here now. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. Again, where are we going to base our instructions? On God's word or popular opinion? Some advice we heard from a friend once. Folklore. Fables. Or are we going to base it on God's word? The teachings of Jesus. Paul talked about this in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, because of God's grace to me, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder, the foundation for the church in Corinth. Now others have come along and they're building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. It starts with him. Life plus Jesus is rock solid when the storms come. Two women grabbed me on the way out this morning after the 8 o'clock message. And they said, oh, I'm so glad we talked about this today. One of them uh, lost her dad recently. Very painful for her. And she said, this is just, this is exactly right. She goes, I have people in my connect group and they're praying with me. She goes, every time I just kind of get all caught up in grief, I remember my dad knew the Lord and he's safe in Jesus' arms in heaven. I've got peace. I'm going to get through this. Jesus is helping me. 
second woman that stopped me, she said, oh, this is all true. I said, well, why? And she goes, well, and her, her husband is on hospice care right now. And um, she said, you know, I'd be worried to death about the future if I didn't know that I could talk to Jesus about all of it. So I just talked to him all day long. He gives me peace, gives me strength. It's all true. I said, can you stay for the next hour? Because <laughs> really, you're doing the whole sermon better than I am. She goes, no, she was going to go home and take care of him. So you tell him. So I'm telling you. It's all true. But we go, well, you know, I, I don't want to put it on Jesus. I'm going to listen to, like we said before, I'm going to listen to some of the other popular voices in our culture who say, you know, if it's about fame or it's about money or it's about power. All this can wash away. Really? You mean you know people who were famous 10 years ago and now you don't know who they are anymore? Sure. I'd give you examples, but you wouldn't remember them. I mean, it's where we get the expression, five minutes of fame. And it's all true. We can listen to people, one hit wonders. And one big song rose to the top of the charts. Nobody ever heard from it again. Well, if you were basing your identity on that, what do you do when the storms come? Put all your trust in money? What if there's an economic upheaval? Put all your trust in your power or position? What if somebody sells the company? Where are you going to get your strength? Where are you going to get your peace? And Jesus says, me. Because life plus Jesus is better. In fact, it's the only way. So you and I, life application here, we're going to base our life on, uh, base our beliefs on Jesus' teachings as well as the teachings he reinforced in his teachings, which is the Bible. So 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul reminds us that all scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what's right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So the Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Would you say it with me, please? The Bible is our guide in all matters of faith and practice. Not John Schmidt, the Bible. That's why virtually this whole outline is all scripture. And we have the references. I want you to go look it up yourself. Please look it up. Read the discussion questions. We have more references I didn't have time for in the connect group questions. Read it yourself. Now, it's really interesting Right after the Sermon on the Mount is finished and, you know, and the worship leader sang the last song, okay, um, uh, at the end of the thing, uh, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of their, relig- their teachers of the religious law. They were amazed. If you'd circle the word amazed. Here's what's amazing about the word amazed. It doesn't say the crowd fell down to their knees committed. It just says they were amazed. They went, oh, wow. That's really authoritative. Wow, that guy seems to know what he's talking about. Wow. I don't have to think about that. Jesus says, life plus me is better. I am the way. The gate's narrow. There's two gates. 
Narrow gate, broad gate. Paths go different directions. This isn't an easy path, but if you count the cost, it'll all be worth it. Because I'll give you a new life. My teachings are foundational. You build your life, make decisions based on the foundation of my word. When hard times come, you'll be strong. There's two kinds of teachers in the world. I'm teaching what's true. There are other false teachers going to come along. They're going to contradict all of this. Look at the fruit in their lives. You'll see. And I want you to have a real relationship with me. Now just say, Lord, Lord, not just lip service. I mean, Judas gave lip service. Literally. As he betrayed him. So if you and I are going to do this rightly, then we've got to come to Jesus and make a decision. Jesus will never kick us, drag us kicking and screaming into heaven. You come because you want to come. You come because you need a Savior. You, you come because you know you can't do this on your own. You come because you say, Jesus, I need a heart transplant. I don't want to just say it. I want to do what you want because that's who I am. I want to love you with my whole heart. I'm tired of running my own life. I am convinced that the things of this world could change in a heartbeat. And I want to base my life on something rock solid forever. I trust you. If that's where you are today, today would be a great day to surrender your life to Christ. If you have drifted away from God and there's a certain area of your life that you realize now is completely unsurrendered to Christ, surrender it now. Time to decide. Well, I just know Jesus said, do to others as you'd have them do to you. He did say that. Here's what he said in the verses right after that. And you and I need to decide. Today. And not just be amazed. Wow, that was really an interesting talk. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I thank you for everything you give us. I think that Matthew even records that the people were just amazed. I'll bet they were. They'd never heard truth put out that way. And some of them followed you, and some of them were probably there at the crucifixion spitting on you. I don't know. But Lord, I am convinced that life plus you is better. I'm convinced you're the only way. I'm convinced that you're the truth. I'm convinced that if we follow you, well, and even when hard times come, if we depend on your teachings, you'll see us through. You're the bedrock. You're the foundation. If you have never surrendered your life to Christ, would you pray with me, please? Lord, I'm a filthy, rotten sinner. I know it. And Lord, I need forgiveness. And I thank you sent Jesus into the world to die for filthy, rotten sinners like me. I surrender my life to you now completely. Forgive me, Lord. Give me a new life. I'm yours. If you've been a believer for a long time now, but there's a part of your life that is unsurrendered, it's crept in, you know you're out of line with what Jesus wants, surrender it now and say, Lord, I don't want to have anything on my conscience. I want my conscience free and clear. I surrender all. Surrender all. Lord, that's all true. My heart beats strong and my heart beats clear when I hear these words. I love Jesus. I want to be right with Jesus. I want Jesus more than anything in the whole world. And Lord, forgive me for allowing something else to clutter my mind and clutter my heart. I give it to you now. Forgive me. Show me what to do. 
How do I make it right? Change me. I surrender every part of my life to you again, Lord. I surrender all. And finally, would you pray for one other lost soul in the world? A friend, a neighbor, a relative, maybe your kids, maybe your mom and dad. Somebody who's far from Jesus and say, Lord, would you bring them home? They are going the wrong way. They're listening to false teachers. They are living. They are at the, they're on the broad way with their drink held high in the air, singing they're on a highway to hell, and they're celebrating it. And God, I pray for them right now. They don't know you. They don't know peace. They don't know hope. They don't know anything. And God, they need Jesus. Please bring them home. God, I thank you that you have made it clear we must make choices. You are the life. You are the way. You're the truth. We come to you and we pray these things in your marvelous name, knowing that you hear us, because these are things according to your will. Amen.